it's Cole here. And this is Jeff. Welcome on board to another episode of the Triad Academy where it's always better to get good rather than get, get wrecked. Speaking of getting wrecked, this podcast episode is going to deal with how to deal with salty opponents. Oh boy. Of from course a, we're going to be doing it from a humorous standpoint. Oh, definitely we are. There's no other way I could see us doing it. Now, for those of you who are interested in shining on people who are rude and obnoxious to you, this episode is for you. Here's a few of the things that we have done to deal with this issue from our own personal gameplay experience. But first, quick disclaimer, because it's, while it's important to know that any of the tricks you learn from us from this episode, you will do at your own risk. We are not accepting any responsibility from anything from anything you do, and any consequences that may come in your actions... This should be a given. Right. This should be a given. I mean, we are mostly adults. There are some children out there. Uh, literally, if you're going to do any of the things that we're going to be talking about, be prepared for the repercussions that may or may not come. That includes arguments, fights, ejections from LGSs, playgroups, whatever. whatever yeah, no, all sorts of other issues that could possibly happen. So... Do not do any of this stuff. Yeah, no, this should be a given, but you never know. There might be somebody out there listening who's brain dead enough to try and blame us for any of yeah. this stuff. So, with that said, let's dive right in. Oh, yeah. Let's start it all off by one of my favorite books from history, The Art of War. Yeah, yeah. Sun Tzu really had it on the head when he uh, yep. wrote that book. You know, it's rather easy for someone to irritate another person by trading snarky remarks and sarcasm. You know that. I know that. We do that for fun with each other. Exactly. I mean, really, if you want to learn how to trade verbal barbs, go watch your favorite stand-up comic. Watch them especially on how they deal with the audience, especially with hecklers. Oh, yeah, no. So, <laughs> and I heard some brutal... <laughs> yeah, no, like, one of my favorite, like, things, my favorite pastimes, is to watch episodes of Married with Children. Uh, and I pay attention especially to Ed O'Neill's character, uh, Al Bundy. Now, if you pay attention to Al Bunny and just sit back and analyze him, you'll notice a couple things about the character and about uh, Ed O'Neill's portrayal of that character. Number one, Al knows that his life sucks, and yet he keeps going. Why? Because he doesn't give a damn. How do we say nowadays? Zebra, foxtrot, golf? Exactly. Zero bleeps given. Yep. Number two, he lives in the glory days of his past. And much like a few of the ham-fisted, mouth-breathing apes who still play magic today who think they're the next John Finkel or Travis Wu, they have unrealistic expectations of their future selves. Hell, sometimes their best achievements out there is using deodorant. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Number three. He's a fictional character that's based on the misconceptions of what it means to be a stereotypical man in the U.S. during the 80s and the 90s. Now, what does any of this have to do with pissing off your opponent? It's about the art of war. It's about learning how to pick your battles so that your opponents don't pick them for you. Or as Sun Tzu would put it, all warfare is based on deception. Likewise, like a true conqueror who doesn't take part in most battles, I'm going to tell you right now, the most dangerous form of warfare is transparency. Yes, and transparency is the most dangerous form of deception. Therefore, in the real art, is in purely in the insult, can be found with the timing and the context of the insult itself. And truth be told, people sometimes are easily irritable. Uh-huh. Then, let's get under their skin by, A, countering their turn one soul rings. Yep. 
counter with force of will, mental misstep, or if we don't run in blue, run it some way that we kill it as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Nature's claim. Yeah. Another funny way we also get under people's skin. Let's say if they play Kangaroo Land. Mm-hmm. Oh no, a Kangaroo Land. Right. Pop it with a strip mine. Oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, one of our uh, understudies in a casual uh, throwaway game, just a casual non-tournament game, uh, was playing a uh, mono-blue control deck against a uh, Salt Lord who was playing a Gishath deck. It was a Gishath Dino Tribal deck. And, of course, he's the kind of guy who thinks his Gishath deck is competitive, and he thinks he knows better. So what does this Gishath player do? He plays a Celestia Sanctuary... Bounces one of his mountains, his other mountain, his other land. And the Brawl player, the our understudy, drops a field of ruin. Strip mines him. Yep. The veins popping out of that guy's head, priceless. Yeah, no. By the way, for you blue players out there, here's a word too about the usage of free counter spells. Even if you have the extra blue card to pitch the force and will, sometimes it's just better to watch your opponent's face when you straight up hard cast that stuff. Yeah, it's bound to catch an opponent or two off guard. Especially if you follow it up with a pact and negation <laughs> yeah. By the way, we better fit, we have seen a couple salty players when we cast that thing on guard. Yeah, I've seen a couple people tilt. <laughs> it's been fun. In fact, don't be afraid to use jank-free counter spells like Disrupting Shoal or even chain one to another like Thwart into Foil. Yeah. Pick up three islands, pitch two of those islands, counter uh, a counterspell. Hilarious. Fin- yeah. Finally on this topic, do not be afraid to table talk. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it will confuse your enemies. Number two, it also helps them with their own threat assessments on that you're not the biggest threat on the table. Yeah. And they focus on your opponents, which sometimes, in the rare situations, will allow you to even get into the mid and sometimes late game. Yep, you know, you're totally right on that. In fact, at the end of the day, it's not about who's right. It's about who's who's left. left. (laughs) And speaking of everything being all in the cards, let's talk about using cards like memes. Yes, I love a good meme. How about you? I'm a salt lord and a meme. (laughs) I mean, memes, when they're done right, they're funny, they're memorable, and some of the best verbal insults out there, insults come out in the form of memes. For example, one of my personal semi-competitive decks, uh, it's my Edric Spaceballs deck, in fact. I run a foiled foil in that, a foil from Prophecy. Uh, And I use puns related to the word foil whenever I use it to counter a spell. For example, I'll ask the opponent, how does it feel to have your plants foiled with a foil foil? Yeah. (laughs) The look on their face is just priceless. Yeah. Here's another one for you. I remember you, like, using your Spanish Inquisition of Kozilek. You really just want to pull it out of the bag, don't you? Yeah, I did. (laughs) So, in my Ad Nauseam deck, which we will be talking about at a later time, uh, one of the cards that I run is an Inquisition of Kozilek. Inquisition of Kozilek is a very good uh, targeted hand disruption spell, great for pulling out counter spells. Oh, yeah, especially here in CDH. Yes, especially in competitive EDH. But whoever expects the Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> no one ever expects the Spanish nope. Inquisition. <laughs> one of my f- favorite things personally to do with that, and I've done it to one of my understudies before, I ask him, confess your sins to me, my son, when I play that card. 
<laughs> oh, man. If you're not familiar with the Spanish Inquisition is, it was a group of people from the Catholic Church back mm-hmm. in the what, late 1400s? That late lasted, 1400s, yes. Yeah. Early 1500s. Yep. And they would... Basically, they were all over the place in Spain and Portugal. And mm-hmm. basically, if you had any type of like dissent and thought or something about that against the Catholic Church, they would prosecute the living crap out of you. Right, and they would come out of the middle of nowhere, kind yeah. of like a Randy Orton RKO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like that. Uh, and another thing we like to do about the cards, right? Yes. We like to sometimes, me and, Jeff, me and Jeff here, we actually use cards for this purpose. We use them like calling cards, like, like business cards we throw out to people. Yep. I have this personal, I actually, one of my favorites to use on this whole aspect is a card called Rain of Salt. Yes, love the card, for casual <laughs> games especially. Oh, yeah. But when you're using it like a business card in that context, yes, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's all get off. Yeah, no. And Jeff, if I remember correctly, you use one in a similar fashion too. Isn't it Life Goes On, <sighs> your calling card? Guilty as charged. <laughs> so, when an opponent gets salty... I toss a copy of Life Goes On to the opponent. Uh, and for those who are not familiar with Life Goes On, it's a common from Hour of Devastation. I keep a small stack of those in my Sedisi Ad Nauseam Fishbowl deck when I go off turn two, turn three, and even turn one especially. Because, of course, people are going to get salty and they're going to rage scoop. Uh, and when you do that, you just tilt them on their side even more. <laughs> Another thing I have to tell people, especially with using cards, yes, is that we all know we can play any number of basic lands we want in our decks. Right. And to those who have been around for a while, you know that basic lands have came with varieties of different artworks, varieties of different borders, and stuff like that, so on forth. Thank you, Unstable, for the borderless lands. Mm-hmm. So, and we, have, we know people. There's people out there. Some of you are probably listening to this. Some of you are going to be cringing at the thought of what I'll be talking about here. Is that using different types of artworks all in your deck. Because I know there are some people out there, some that are listening to this, that have dedicated to like one type of artist. Right, the John Avon Lands. Like the John Avon Lands with Teresa Nelsons. Yeah. All right. No, that really screws with the LCD. Yeah. You have like different artworks from like different time periods. You have like a white bordered <laughs> land from like... Third edition revised. <laughs> yeah. You have like a black border, like modern looking yeah. one from like 10th edition or 11th edition. Yeah. You might have like a Mirage or Revisions foreign language yeah. Japanese yeah. one. Actually, I actually use a, uh, Ger- I actually have a Ravnica German land. <laughs> <laughs> like use, and the thing is though, I don't just go like go different border types, like a couple of the borderless lands, right. full, uh, one you just full go art. The whole gambit. I'm, I'm going the whole gambit. I'm right. going full on borderless. We got borderless. We got white border, black border. We also have full arts. We also go as far as even including foreign language lands mm-hmm. that fit into this too. It's it's wild. And the fact was though, this was all in a Barigamos deck that had like. 40, 50 lands in it. By the way, just to let you guys know, I've actually had a game where I had a legitimate player rage scoop because he could because he was because he couldn't stand me playing all these various different miscombogulation of basic <laughs> lands. That is hilarious. That and then, is absurd. Yeah, it is. By the way, another funny part, another one that we have all been guilty of here yep. sometimes. The use of proxies, like we're not just talking like proxy cards like a Taiga or right. any of the reserved list cards that are stupid to be expensive. Oh, yeah. We're straight up talking 
using the most strangest, most discombobulated art we could come up with. Like, throwing anime schoolgirls on basic lands. Okay, yeah, so a word should be mentioned about that. Yeah. Now, some people hate them, some people love them, and by now you've heard our discussion on that topic. Uh, in this situation, as Cole has talked about, we're talking about using funky, funky art for your proxies, or using art that doesn't have, per se, anything to do with the actual card. For example, using like a Japanese anime schoolgirl art, for example, on one of your basic lands. I personally use sometimes Deadpool art on basic lands just to mess with people. Yeah, no, I, I know a guy who actually uses right. schoolgirls as basic lands. And like, especially, like, the very raunchy uh, yeah. schoolgirl art where yeah. they're, like, bent over and all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah. So, we have a, we have a term we call it over here in the job here. We call it scrapbooking for assholes. That's because some people actually do get tilted with this practice, and they have a tendency to call you an asshole as a result of it, because it screws with their conception of what's supposed to be normal, normal for, for them. <laughs> and speaking of screwing with conceptions, yes, let's look, talk about the comedy performance. Just to let you guys know, this is one of the potentially most funniest, most memorable ways of playing this game. And However, pissing off your opponent. And right? pissing off your opponent. However, though, this could also backfire just as easy as it is to perform. Yeah. So, one of the funnier ways of comedy by performance, especially for pissing off your opponent, has been in a way that a person might cut their deck. Uh, in Cole's case, uh, he has taken an opponent's deck, especially mine, for example, and he, before cutting it, sends it to the Toxic Daily. Yeah, I should, I should explain this one out to everyone. So, we have this, there's a whole joke running amongst us. I only do this act, prefer only in our playgroup. Right. Us for toxic players from hell. Yeah. <laughs> and and so what we do is that I wear a kilt on a regular basis. Uh-huh. And one of the jokes I've done is that I would take the deck, cut it up, do all the stuff with it, and and make it look like I am actually teabagging the deck. You gross bastard. You are gross as shit for that. Just to let you know, this will, if you do this to some people you're not cool with or someone you don't know, right? this will start literal fights. I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> I am not even, I've not even tried it with anybody else out there, but I guarantee I can start some, this will start a fight. Yeah. But, yeah, no. And what it was is that I would actually take it, lift up the kilt a little bit, right? Make right. it look like I was doing it. And then I would rub it right simulate just by looking just by rubbing it yeah like right towards on the my thigh yeah right, right on the inside, the inside of your leg yeah. yeah and it was oh man another thing that we have also done jeff has done this one on more than occasion yep. especially against me is that he would give me the infamous cut of death okay so what the cut of death is for those who are not familiar with it is you're purposely taking the top two cards the top one or two cards of somebody's library and putting it on the bottom and calling that a cut <laughs> or you'll purposely shuffle their cards or shift their cards around while you're shuffling them in such a way that they're in odd-facing directions. <laughs> Which will screw with people with OCD. Yeah, if if any if your opponent has OCD issues about how their deck is supposed to be around or how their deck is supposed to be treated, they are going to go bananas. They're going to go <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Buffs. <laughs> yeah. You know what's also talking about go- making people go cuckoo for Cocoa Buffs? What's that? Spiking our rivals from the game! Yes. Yeah! I've done that a few times. Okay. <laughs> I've done that a couple times, too. <laughs> so, when we're talking about spiking a rival, another method that is going to raise an eyebrow or two uh, involves simply killing one player, that one particular player who's causing problems, who's just being that salty twat waffle, 
And you do it typically through an infinite combo, but here's the gag. After you kill that person, you immediately scoop and you leave the game. Yeah, or you kill yourself with your own combo. Right. So it's best to use this trick when that person that you're aiming it towards is acting like a jerk. Uh, another variation on this includes the usage of mass land destruction before turn 3, turn 4. Such as like an Armageddon or a Ravages of War on a yeah. group of people who get a kick out of yeah. being arrogant. Yeah, no, I've done this one. In fact, actually, speaking of which, this is actually one of our most memorable moments playing at our LGS. It's against a guy that we've dubbed Salty Joe. Yes. And Salty Joe here, he's a notoriously known dude to get insanely salty. And he was playing this over-budgeted, over-priced Loro deck that really couldn't win up for crap. <laughs> yeah, it was a Loro mid-range deck. Yeah, it was a Loro mid-range deck that wasn't even good at mid-range. Yeah, no, you could buy a Hyundai, like, new right off the lot with the price of yeah. this deck. Yeah, no. And so, and he was talking, and he got these nut draws, like, early game. He started getting everything lined up. Like, yeah, the world's lined up in my favors, yeah. Turn four, I played Apocalypse. The look <laughs> on his face was so priceless, we could not have... <laughs> you couldn't have just, like, filmed it any better. Yeah, like, you, you had to be there. Uh, so, in response in that particular situation, you were playing your Kazool Snowy Prison. Yeah, Kazool Snowy Prison was so, what I was running. So, I was playing my Jun Throwaway deck, my Prosh Throwaway deck. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form any sort of infinite combos or anything. Just a casual throwaway deck. Uh, I activate Survival of the Fittest, go find Birds of Paradise. <laughs> yeah, no, you you found Birds of Paradise, and from there, you just beat him to death with Prashen. Uh, no, actually, it was Champion of Lambholt. Yo, Champion of Lambholt. Well, how big got the thing? Like a 14-14? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, uh, the first words out of his mouth when you dropped Apocalypse was, you do realize you just gave him the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed and smiled. He still has... And he still has scars. I had actually sometimes whisper apocalypse under my breath and see if he responds and he responds. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's some funny stuff right yeah, there. Another thing we have done, all right, despite tables, is straight up legitimately blue screen a game. Okay. That deserves some ex explanation. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with the term blue screen, it's a term in the computer science industry where you're talking about the blue screen of death where a computer freezes, crashes, can't function anymore. So what we mean in context is we mean intentionally causing the game to end in a draw. An example of this, using assault suit equipped to bronze bombshell and then donating it to an opponent. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll, you'll quickly find out who has a sense of humor and who really doesn't actually. <laughs> no, you're going to find out who really gets easily irritated. <laughs> Speaking of getting irritated... Let's talk about sandbagging your opponent. Oh, there's some good ones on this one. Yeah, you know, I'm going to admit to it right now, guys. Sometimes, even when we play at these games, right? Yeah. And we have these decks that are like, they're supposed to perform on this level at this time. Sometimes, you know what they say? Sometimes, life sucks. Sometimes, RNG Jesus <laughs> declares you a blasphemer. Yes. And you really can't do anything about it. So, you just got to sit around and... Make yourself look as good as you can without... <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes you're behind the eight ball, and sometimes all you can do is sit there and look pretty. I don't know about you. I can't look pretty for to save my life. <laughs> well, Jeff, come on now. Look at that forehead. Hey, that's a five head. <laughs> that's a five head to you. <laughs> now, just because he can see his future in my five head doesn't mean you're completely out of options. In fact, sandbagging is one such option you can deploy. What do we mean by that? 
Sandbagging is actually a gaming term that's used to describe a tactic where you're deliberately playing below your actual ability in order to fool opponents into thinking that your competitive ability is actually a lot lower than it really is. It's like pool hustling in some Like ways. pool hustling, right. So let's take an actual practical example from live experience from an actual competitive tournament that I was in a few months back. This actually involves not only me uh, playing Sidisi ad nauseum, this involves Salty Joe playing his Aloro mid-range deck. Ah, oh, that horrible excuse for a deck. <laughs> yes, this also invet, uh, involved uh, two other people, one playing a Nekuzar wheel deck, who we will affectionately call the Fried Pickle, and we'll talk about more of why we call him that at a later episode, uh, and then one of our own uh, guys here, Patrick, playing his Kess Storm deck. Yeah! Now, in this game, on turn three, the Kess Storm deck managed to lock out the entire table with Capsize, Paradox Engine, and six mana worth of mana rocks. <laughs> yeah! Not a fun time. Yeah, no, this legitimately happened. In fact... This was on his maiden voyage, too. Yeah, this was... In fact, wasn't this... Was it, like, what, $20 worth of upgrades, I think, this... Yeah, that's why he called it $20 in a dream. <laughs> Funny as all get up, looking yeah. back on it. Now, under most normal circumstances, most people would scoop, and I wouldn't blame them. I did not. Why? Because I'm playing ad nauseum fishbowl. That's why. Knowing my deck's average converted mana cost is around one and a half. It was actually around 1.45 at the time. Uh, with a top-out curve of five for Adnaz, I decided to keep on playing cards, but then decided to slow the place down, slow the pace down of how I kept on playing out my turns by constantly asking the Kes player if he wanted to respond. I kept on asking this for every spell that I played, every time. I even went through specific phases and announced the specific phases, attempting to get the Kes player a little bit riled up so that way he would mess up. He eventually does. <laughs> now, this may seem a bit fishy, but what I'm doing is actually completely legal because I'm still attempting to advance the board state, even though my board state is still getting bounced by the kept size lock. Yeah. So, eventually, like I said, Patrick does mess up, the cast player does mess up, and he does so by trying to use cap size to target my Mishra's Bobble. In response, I activated Bobble and fizzled his cap size target. With his capsize in the yard, I then activated Scavenger Grounds to exile all graveyards. Yeah. <laughs> so after about 10 or so turns of all the constant back and forth of me just being a goofball, I end up eventually able to tutor up a free mana rock using Vampiric Tutor. It was a Mox Opal. Uh, and I use it to get to 5 mana to play ad nauseum. So from an empty board state, what ends up happening, I ended up winning that entire game. With nothing on the field. The moral of this story. Sometimes replaying things can really annoy the hell out of your opponents. Especially if you keep asking for a response. And going through all of the official motions of each phase in each of your turns. You do this enough. Eventually you're going to piss off that player who's locking out the board. And this is important because eventually that will play into your favor when they slip up and misplay. And with any solid deck, all you need is a small opening in order to break through a wall. Like the Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah! So, in a future episode, at a time later to be determined, we're also going to delve deeper into the psychology of competitive gaming. And this is going to be done in such a way 
that it's going to help you get the advantage that you need to win games. Why is that important? Well, it's just like the flavor text on uh, Sizzle from Jaya Ballard. Of course you should fight fire with fire. You should fight everything with fire. <laughs> the simple fact is, people don't always play on the same battlefield using the same rules of engagement that you do. The fact is, is that if you like it or not, some people have big egos and deep pockets. Some, some... people, frankly, like comparing the size of their genitals <laughs> with the size of their neck and the foiliness of it. Yeah, and even some even equate even both of them together. That's really scary, too. Yeah, yeah, no. So, this is all we have for this episode? Yes. And as always, if you like our content, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. Share this content, especially with your fellow players. It's been a privilege doing this episode, and as always, it's always better to get good rather than get wrecked.